0: They say banks are boring, credit unions are dull We don't agree, we love them all Except for the big banks and neos who Take a market
1: share, make consumers blue Need a fresh perspective, new direction Take back banking and make some connections If you feel stuck, it's not your
0: fault Here's an idea, try thinking outside The vault In Tiffany Bova's book, Growth IQ, she devotes a three-chapter section to product diversification and how it can work for you and against you. On one hand, new products can create expensive complexity and fail to capture the attention of consumers. On the other hand, new products can deepen your relationship with consumers and add value to their experience. Hi, my name is Zach Garver, and you're listening to Thinking Outside the Vault a podcast for community banks and credit unions. Here are two real-world examples of product diversification in action. One is a business in Denver that my wife and I passed a few months ago. Their sign read, in this order, Peak Performance Power Sports Sales and Repair. Reptiles. Dog Training. Swim. Scuba. Massage. Spa. And there was absolutely no way to tell if these were separate businesses or different offerings from the same business. There's nothing wrong with any of these services taken individually, but the fact that they're each available at the same place makes me suspect of the quality of all of them. I mean, can you imagine how they fit all of those things in the same building? Do the reptiles help with the massage? On the other hand, take my favorite coffee shop. Called Darkheart. I love everything about this place the atmosphere, the service, the excellent quality of the drinks. So when my coffee grinder at home bit the dust, I naturally asked the owners which grinder they recommended. Could I have bought it online? Yes, but turns out the price was exactly the same. And why wouldn't I want to support a local small business? In the world of community financial institutions, product diversification is often part of a strategy to increase consumer-friendly non-interest income, as opposed to raising things like NSF fees. The challenge is that you can't just call up your core provider and take whatever's on special. You need to be sure that the product matches up with the needs and desires of your account holders. You also need to work with reputable partners who will ensure a great customer or member experience. And that's why I'm so excited for you to hear from our guest, Julie Roten, Director of Brand Management at Kasasa. She's spearheaded Kasasa's latest foray into the world of non-interest income and how we can offload the operational risk of launching new products. Julie Roten, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Thinking Outside the Vault. We are going to be talking about uh, non-interest income and uh, specifically value-added products which i'm really excited about we've got some big news for our listeners um and to kick things off i just loved if you could tell our listeners more about your role here at casasa as a director of brand management
1: hi glad to be here um i'm helping to deliver value-added offers that drive additional income for a community financial institutions so my old my goal is to bring these value-added offers to market in a simple way a turnkey way and allow Financial institutions to have parity with what mega banks offer, and at Kasasa, our main vehicle to do this is the new Kasasa Care program.
0: Okay, um, what what's what is the Kasasa Care program for people that don't know? I mean, we're just launching this, so so give us the elevator pitch on that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It is uh, an online marketplace for consumers, so consumers can go to a website and research by different value-added products. And then additionally, for financial institutions, it's a referral marketing program to help them deliver those offers to their consumers.
0: Okay. So I think most community financial institutions tend to think of non-interest income as like account maintenance fees you know, insufficient funds, interchange, that kind of stuff. And then like less so like the the more minor categories is like value added. Like maybe that's insurance or some other things like that. So that kind of makes it two cat. like, to me, it seems like there are two categories. Uh, Is there more to that story?
1: There is. And you named one of the most common categories that, that people consider for value added products, which is insurance. Um, In terms of the financial side, that's typically interchange, service fees, maintenance fees, insufficient fund fees, things that consumers don't usually love. But if they're able to expand into value-added products and cross-sell where there's opportunity, the FI can expand their their income. So add-on products outside of the banking realm can really help
0: deliver that. Okay. What are some of the m- most common products of that nature that you see in the marketplace? I mean, we talked about insurance, but what else do you see out there? You know, mega banks or, or, or whoever's in the space.
1: There, there are many options and, and commonly you do see variations of insurance, which could be health insurance, life insurance, um, different types of mortgage insurance, all types of things, as well as protection products such as identity protection for against theft and fraud. Um each financial institution really needs to look at what their consumer base might need um, and, and target that based on their account holders.
0: Do you think consumers traditionally associate these type of products with banks? Or do they just think insurance comes from Geico? I don't know. I mean, for me, USA is an example of one that is known for things, you know, non-banking products or services. You know, I mean, I have, we have, my wife and I have an account bank account with them, but then we also have, you know, renter's insurance and car insurance um, and some, you know, asset protection level stuff. But what's, I don't know, how do consumers tend to view that type type of thing?
1: I think it's becoming more and more prevalent, you know, using the example you gave of USAA. They have a really large product hub on their site across a lot of different value-added products in auto, home, life, health, all of these different areas. And they've taken time to partner with other providers or build those out in-house. But then you look at other banking institutions, such as BB&T, they've really decided to streamline and pick the single insurance provider and then expanded it across different customer types, such as personal, small business, and corporate. So each community financial institution really needs to consider their individual approach of one versus many types of value-added products to drive income.
0: What do you think it takes to be distinctive? And if, you, if you're if you going to enter this marketplace, what do you need to do to stand out?
1: In terms of bringing value added offers into a community financial institution, institution lineup, I really think it's about making it easy, um, easy to sign up, easy to pay your bill, easy with customer service. Because the easier it is, the more likely people will remember it and know that it's easy, which makes it distinctive. Mm. So using CasasaCare as an example, a potential customer can research and buy value-added products where they want to. A digital experience where you can learn, buy, and self-service. And having that singular hub for customers to visit can create repeat visits, reduce churn, and increase satisfaction for the customer. Um, Consumers really want to research and transact online via websites and apps. So if you think about the growth and digitization within banking where you visited in branch to deposit things then you went to ATMs and you know deposited it without talking to a person and then you went to direct deposit online wire transfers uploading a check image with your phone via an app they want to interact from the comfort of their home and have a choice in how they engage whether that's online talking to someone on the phone or in branch people get really annoyed when you force them down a channel that isn't their preference so the same approach of providing an easy online experience applies to non-banking products. In short, make it easy for them to engage.
0: I mean, I think that sounds like I mean, you know, with the state of people, you know, stay-at-home orders and and various stages of reopening or whatever that is, um, a lot of people are really forced to shop from home. I mean, you're saying you know they get annoyed when they get forced to a channel that isn't their preference, but I, I think a lot of people have been put in a position where whatever their first choice has been totally taken away you know and, and so having that digital access is really the next best thing and if they don't get that that's that's even worse right <laughs> it's even more frustrating
1: in this environment it's become even more important to have an easy online experience and making sure that that's available because right now if if you can't leave your home you need to make sure that one of those ways either it could be talking on the phone, but online is the most um, relevant way to do that right now.
0: Sure. I mean, that makes sense. So expanding on this idea of consumer-friendly non-interest income, shall we say, um, these are products that consumers are likely to be paying for elsewhere. So it's not really a matter of banks or credit unions like forcing something new and unnecessary, right? It's more about just like offering a competitive... Product or service?
1: It is. And by offering your consumers value added products, you're positioning your institution as a partner and solving their day to day needs. There's genuine trust with most community banks and credit unions, in many cases, years of customer loyalty. So by pursuing a financial partnership with your customers, you're fostering a feeling of dependability, reliability. They can reach out to you for whatever they need when they need it. So it shouldn't feel like you're pushing products on them. you're you're taking care of their needs. And I I think this inspires consumers to view the financial institutions as a one-stop shop to manage everything. It's important to strengthen and maintain those relationships you have with your customers. And by delivering value-added products, whether it's via Casasa Care or another means, you have that opportunity. And it also drives loyalty and additional stickiness with your customers because there are more products per customer.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Um... Do you do you think it's feasible for most community financial institutions to build something like this in-house or or is partnership the way to go?
1: It really depends on the size and staff of the community financial institution. You need somebody with subject matter expertise in a lot of areas. So marketing, legal, compliance, sales, data analysis. Um, A lot of times you don't have all those individuals available to make a choice. And, and do that analysis, it's possible. It just may take a long time to pull it together on your own. Uh, the quickest option to market may be partnering versus building in-house. That's one of the reasons Casasa saw the need to launch the new care program. It helps offset the execution burden of the in-branch frontline employees needing to train, sell, and service value-added products.
0: Okay, so there's, there's training that with Casasa Care, there's training that goes along with opting into this online marketplace
1: yeah we i feel like we've done a pretty comprehensive job as part of our onboarding to create videos frequently asked questions and just overviews so you really understand it and you can promote casasa care rather than 10 different value-added products
0: yeah that makes sense Um, so from what i know about casasa care uh, and how we're trying to you know make it easier for institutions to offer value-added products we're doing this through something called referral marketing. And in my experience, that can mean different things in different contexts. So for us and for our, our clients, uh, what do we mean by referral marketing?
1: Well, in context of Cassas's program, referral marketing means a financial institution promoting preferred partner offers to their consumers, and each community financial institution can choose the offers they would like to opt into, and then Casasa helps deliver that marketing message to each consumer. And it's important to note that the consumers will be targeted based on the products they're most likely to buy, so we're not going to hit everyone with every offer. That targeting is based on data analysis of a lot of different elements, such as demographics, eligibility, and behavioral data, to send each consumer the most relevant offer possible. And from each purchase or activity, you're attributing that transaction back to the financial institution, so they have a new stream of income for referring that consumer to that partner offer.
0: Okay, um, is this like a hands-on or hands-off approach? Would you say?
1: I would say it's more hands-off. In in our approach with Casasa Care, it's it's as simple as opting into the offers you want to share with your consumer base, and then. It's, You know, there will be a monthly um, invoice credit of all the referral income you receive from all of the campaigns. So we're hoping it's very turnkey.
0: That that makes sense. And just based on what you're saying, it sounds like it would be easier to build a stable stream of income from something like this than, say, trying to increase something like insufficient funds fees or monthly maintenance fees, things that customers are going to notice and possibly react poorly to.
1: I think value-added offers are definitely more customer-friendly, but I think easier is relative. It depends on how you're executing the offers, if you're building them in-house versus a partnership. Either way, investing in these types of offers creates a safety net of income outside of typical non-interest income streams, such as fees or interchange. With referral marketing, as long as you're running the campaigns, you have the opportunity to continue receiving referral income.
0: Okay. Is that that like a one-time um, I said referral credit, or is it the sort of thing that can be ongoing, you know, as long as the consumer stays, say subscribed or, or, um, you know, it continues to purchase it.
1: Uh, with Casasacare, we have a couple different models or types of referral income, uh, or referral credits you can receive. So some of the offers are monthly. So for Every month that the customer is active, you'll receive referral income for that. Some are per use. So as they use the offer, you'll receive referral income. And some are, they buy, and it's a one-time payout. So it really depends on the offer. And we've created quite a few to make sure there's always a referral income stream.
0: That's really cool. Um, what would you say? The, well, I guess we already kind of talked about the, the level of effort for a referral marketing relationship. Um, so. Let's uh, let's move on to the next question that I have here. Uh, my understanding of, of our clients and, and of community financial institutions in particular uh, is that, they, or in general, really, uh, is that they're protective of their brand. They don't want to put their name on something that they don't feel really good about. Um, so something like Casasa Care, how would you encourage institutions to think about partnering um, and doing this referral marketing thing?
1: There's a definite balance where you can do something white label or co-branded, which I recommend if you're if you're happy and have confidence in your partner, or you can possibly do no branding and leave it up to your end partner to create that separation. Cassas has been research where we know that consumers want to receive these type of value added offers from their financial institution. So there's brand consideration, but the consumer need tends to outweigh it. Perkosauce, in particular, we developed co-brand marketing templates that have really worked for us.
0: Okay. Uh, you say we've done some research on, on you know, consumer, uh, I don't know, what, what consumers want around this type of thing. Can you tell me some more about that?
1: Yeah. So we're doing ongoing marketing research because we have three main categories. We're offering um, value-added products, which is health, protection, and life. and just talking about the health vertical, for example, one of our offers is a prescri- prescription savings program. So we asked uh, customers, if you received a prescription savings offer from your financial institution, how how interested would you be? And 91% of people we surveyed said, yes, I would be interested in receiving this from my financial institution. That's really powerful and says That's it's a amazing. huge number. <laughs> it's huge. It's huge. And we, we asked this about other health products, such as vision and dental. And that was at eighty six percent. So there's a huge opportunity, and the research tells us that that customers want to receive these trusted offers from their community banks.
0: I think uh, it seems like that trusted referral is a pretty powerful dynamic. I mean, it's speaking for myself, if if my if I trust my you know bank, or in my case, a credit union, uh, with with my primary income, right? Like that's our that's a that's a pretty high level of trust. And then if they're coming to me and saying, hey, we think this might be a good product for you, it seems like it might fit you. I'm definitely going to give that more consideration than just, you know, some piece of direct mail that I got from somebody that I've never heard of. Um, I mean, is that do you do you think that bears out in in this program or in what we're seeing early on?
1: Yes, there's a lot of trust and goodwill that people have in their community financial institutions. And we're finding that reinforced in the research we're doing. And CASASA's mission is to help community banks and credit unions. And we take pride in really vetting our CASASA Care referral partners and the offers we put out there to make sure we're giving the best experience for consumers and making sure we're monitoring them, optimizing them based on their performance. So, I think we're trying to keep that trust there with who we're putting out in our online marketplace and making sure the offers are relevant to the financial institution's consumer base.
0: Okay, that makes sense. I mean, so with the fact that we are announcing a new product that, you know, essentially allows FIs to to partner um I want to be. Uh, I want to acknowledge the fact that there are probably institutions out there who are really seriously considering spinning this up in house, and they may even have the capacity to do that. But mm-hmm. what would you say to that type of institution? Like, what should they be wary of if they do decide to dive in and, and do it themselves?
1: They need to think about the manpower it takes, and they need to think about their internal staff um, and how they sell it and that that means you need to do training and offer incentives it's it's a challenge to put together a cohesive program and when consumers come in branch and you want to sell these value added offers a consumer's time is valuable so it's difficult to make your staff knowledgeable about all of your financial products and services as well as recognize at the same time who's a good fit for possible value added offers you know in that same speech so if you have the opportunity to you can drive into an online marketplace that can remove a lot of that burden of that face-to-face interaction.
0: I can just imagine <laughs> the uh, un- uninitiated teller, you know, offering, um, you know, prescription savings to, you know, the college kid who just walked in for their uh, for their checking account or, or, you know, maybe some kind of reversal of that, where it's like, it just, you know, not thinking through what the real needs of the consumer is, you know, when you offer this type of thing, it's just kind of like, well, you're, you know, a warm body, maybe you'd like this. <laughs>
1: Yeah, the mantra is relevancy is key. You just don't want to offer everything to everybody.
0: Yeah. Um, Let's talk about the size of this opportunity a little bit. Um, It strikes me that there could be a risk of appearing like you're offering a buffet instead of curated products, right? Like, well, hey, we've got everything, you know, take your pick. Um, What what do you think? uh, How high is, am I over, I guess, am I overstating that risk?
1: I think it's a possible issue. I I think it depends on you doing your upfront homework on what you're offering in terms of how it's packaged and priced, making sure you're selecting categories of offers that are relevant to your customer base. You know, If you go back to some of the examples earlier, BB&T chose to pick a singular area, but then USA went really broad across a lot of different categories. So it's really up to each institution to decide that for themselves. Um, for Cassasa, we create an online marketplace that has a broad range of products, but however, within our program, you can also self-select which offers you want to market to your consumers. So you can market them all or just two of them. It's really up to you on that approach. We want to allow that customization based on what might work for the financial institution.
0: How do you recommend that institutions get that consumer insight? Um, is it, As simple as talking to people at the window and like, I don't know, collecting (laughs) those those anecdotal uh, responses or is it hiring somebody to do a professional survey?
1: I would say if you have the staff to do it, the best way is to dig into your customer database. There's lots of targeting information or offers that can be found in knowing somebody's gender, household income and size, whether they have a family. Um, additionally, you can look at category history for, you know, debit credit card transactions. If you have both of those at your financial institution, um, surveys of your existing customer base, professional or not, are, you know, for customer intent is also a very valid approach, but in the end it's analyzing all the data inputs and making sense of them to come up with a strategy that is a challenge.
0: Okay. So if I, if I heard you right, you're talking about going in at like a transaction level and uh, analyzing the data to see what types of things consumers are already paying for and then like offering them something comparable.
1: Yeah, that's part of it. So we were talking about prescription savings earlier. So you can look at debit card transactions and know what people are buying. You can see that they're filling prescriptions maybe a couple of times a month. And based on that, you can say this is the perfect prime offer to give someone that they may be interested in this product. So you want the offers to be relevant and hit the right person at the right time.
0: Okay, uh, and, and I'm guessing that marketing for this isn't one size fits all either. I mean, if <laughs> I just <laughs> marketing one product is pretty complex. If you're if you're taking on a, a bevy of new products, like you you don't just like send one email with everything, right? I mean, it's it's got to be more custom than that.
1: Absolutely. And and that's the way we're looking at it in terms of the offers. You can customize which ones to send. And we're also looking at it from your customer base and the marketing message, what makes sense. So Kasasa's program targets via propensity and scoring model to deliver offers. So not every consumer will receive every single offer.
0: Okay. So is that um, just to kind of unpack that idea a little bit more? Because I think there's a lot there. You're saying... We use a propensity and scoring model, um, so that's not something that the FI is necessarily managing. Like we'll be looking at their database, analyzing it, and and matching it up against our best practices in order to to target those offers the right way. Is that do I have that right?
1: That's exactly right. So Casasa is going to do this on the financial institution's behalf and constantly optimize and review data to make sure we're always giving relevant offers.
0: Okay. Is there anything else, I don't know, surprising about the research that we did or that you, I mean, I say you did really, um, uh, uh, into consumers and, and how they look at these types of offers?
1: I, I think similar to some of the stats we shared earlier about the products we were interested in offering in our online marketplace and the survey results we got back, the absolute volume of customers, you know, in the 90, 80% said, yes, I would absolutely love to have this for my financial institution. I would like to hear about it. It was just surprising to me how much opportunity was there.
0: Okay. I mean, I've heard, I've heard institutions talk about the pr- the process that they're in of of looking for new value added products and trying to decide what their consumers want and and uh, in short i hear a lot of hesitancy because there's you know a lot that goes into this type of thing um and maybe wondering whether there's going to be you know sufficient uptake on the product you know or is it just going to sit there and do nothing um but it sounds like in short what you're saying is people are hungry for this and and it's really I mean, it's up to community financial institutions to jump on that opportunity and and be the first one to offer, maybe not even the first one, but the most trusted person to offer these types of things.
1: Yeah, there there is a need for it. We've seen the opportunity, and that's part of the reason CASASA is trying to help in that area by bringing the CARE program forward, because financial institutions are able to drive income with these type of value-added offers.
0: Okay. Cool. Well, I, I mean, it's going to be really exciting to see uh, what Casasa Care does. I know that we have um, a variety of, you know, it, we have uh, our, like our products that we're launching with, and then we have a variety of products that are going to be coming, you know, in the next year um, that are on the product roadmap or, you know, beyond that. Um, I Really, this is going to be it, it sounds like an exciting program. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how it, uh, you know, how, how our clients are able to use it to build that stable income that is so important, especially as interest rates are dropping or have dropped, you know, <laughs> they're already at the bottom, but, uh, well, Julie, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. I'm excited about getting this episode out to our listeners and, uh, really excited about what Casasacare can, uh, you know, the kind of splash that it can make in the industry.
1: Yes, absolutely. I was so glad to be here.
0: I think you can see what I mean about how complicated this topic is. Which products? Should you develop it in-house? If not, then which partners? What price point? How to market? How to service? How to sell? All of these are questions that need real answers before you can diversify your product offerings and create a stable flow of non-interest income. I don't say all that to push you away from the idea. If anything, I think it's safe to say that product diversification should be an essential part of your strategy for growing revenue and deepening relationships with consumers. And I hope this discussion helped you form some of your own questions and answers. Thanks again for listening to Thinking Outside the Vault, a podcast produced and distributed by Kasasa. Our theme music was written by Victoria Kerr, who also serves as our production assistant. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing to our podcast in Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Stitcher, and leaving us a review. This helps other listeners to discover us. You can also send your comments and feedback to social at kasasa.com.